so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I am so glad we get to talk about our practice together. Mm -hmm. I feel like I could talk to you, talk to you for hours. So I've actually spent quite a bit of time trying to figure out how to ask you the mm -hmm. right questions and like stay on track. You and I know each other from the Parkdale Prana Room, where mm -hmm. you, uh, t you've taught me privately Reiki, and mm -hmm. I've done some meditation classes with you, and we come from very different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your time of studying in Japan? Mm -hmm. I think it started in university. I became very much interested in uh, consciousness and different types of philosophy. I started to study those uh, uh, angles, those uh, aspects, and then I started to travel to explore it further. Um, three years into traveling, I found myself in Japan. Uh, I was there for three years uh, and uh, studied, and it was mind-blowing. Um, after that, it was, it was China, which was also equally, if not even more so, because of the raw aspect of China. Um, yeah, I don't really remember how it all happened particularly, but it was not planned. It was just kind of, yeah. at the time, I just went and I just felt it and I flew with it and it was just kind of kind of a crazy story, but it was awesome. Awesome. Were you like into Tai Chi or any of these things or mm -hmm. did, did it just happen to you? I had done martial arts quite seriously as a kid and then I got out of the whole dojo, uh, you know, tough guy scene. And I got really into, uh, you know, meditation, and I wanted to, and I was really into Qigong. And Qigong, uh, as it was described to me when I first learned it, was a Chinese form of yoga. It was just a selling point. He just told me that to get me in, because I was actually taking yoga, and I was having a frustrating That's time. That's hilarious. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't learn yoga because of the language barrier. I was in the Czech Republic, and I didn't understand anything they were saying. And huh. I was bitching about it at a bar one night to uh, an older friend, whom I kind of knew. And uh, he's like, well, I can teach you yoga, uh, but it's not really yoga. And then that's what took off. And so from that point on, I got really into those things. And then I found myself uh, uh, moving to China. I wanted to get more in-depth with the Qigong uh, from uh, Japan to China. And I didn't want to go the whole fighting route. And then my teacher, whom I found, um, actually convinced me. He says, no, no, this is going to be a healthy aspect of what we could do here. This is fundamental but we can strip away all the machismo and, and just really focus on the practice and, and really blast out what this is in a full-bodied sense versus, you know, I'm a fighter, I like martial arts. Wow. Because that's not really my gig and never really has What been. is machismo? Tough guy shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the whole, like martial artists. You know, yeah. Kind of, it's kind of a douchey scene. It's a lot of, you know, bravado. It's a lot of uh, uh, show me your moves. It's 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 crap. I, I don't like it. Yeah. So when I moved to this town, I very much stared clear of that whole environment. Totally. Because it's not who I am, and it's not my clientele. And, but I'm very much into martial arts, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It makes there's like a there's a part that it sounds to me like there's a part that's like enjoying the 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 whole practice, the physical yeah. element of it, but there's a component of not causing harm that also interests you as well. Well, you know what's interesting, and I always tell people this, Kung Fu, pronounced Gong Fu in Mandarin, is uh, translated as being a skill acquired over time. As I tell people, you can have, uh, you can be a mechanic 
on cars and have good Kung Fu. Yeah. It's just a, it's, it's a honed skill set. Yeah. And in the uh, Chinese uh, uh, way of approach, it involves all aspects of your day. Yeah. Not just martial arts, but this conversation, me uh, with my kids, uh, me uh, riding the bus here today. All aspects totally. are included to me, so it's more full-bodied as opposed to just compartmentalized. Last night I was at a party and I was like, I teach martial arts and meditation. And the girl's like, well, those are two opposite things. And I'm like, mm, exactly, you have no idea. That's, that's yeah. the misunderstanding. Totally. You know, meditators don't like martial artists. Reiki people don't like kung fu people. Yeah. And it's all the same. It's all the same. Right? I mean, not really, but yes. When you, were, when you were studying abroad, what was that like? Like, what would your day be like? It was a long time. It was like eight years, so it varied. It yeah. got a lot more serious as it developed. This is kind of funny. When I first started, I was called Buddha with a weekend pass. <laughs> that was my nickname because I would study my ass off and I'd be doing meditations all day in the park. And then I'd go at night and just get wrecked and party and get nuts. And so it was an escapist kind of dichotomy that I was working out of from my youth because mm -hmm. I was pretty wild in my youth but very much interested in depth. Totally. Right? So at that time it was useful and it was awesome and then it just became everything. Where every part of my life, my friendships, uh, the work I started to do, it was all just like it had to be everything. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it was getting up early, uh, doing a lot of crazy shit, uh, doing anything they would say, holding postures for long periods of time. And to be honest, it was amazing but it was really um, difficult. People sure. look at that time, oh, you were so lucky. It was like personal, so like transformative hell. Yeah. Where I just felt bad about myself all the time and I worked through that yeah. to build a better relationship with who I am. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not easy. But I mean, amazing at the same time. I think that like one of the, the, the things you don't really think about is like, you know, you're studying at a monastery and you and I were having dinner recently and you were telling me about the heat packs. Like, you're freezing mm -hmm. your ass off. Right. They don't have. They don't have. You're uh, practicing. Yeah, exactly. And you know, rice paper walls in the middle of the winter. It's crazy because I really like the extreme concepts. Yeah. Like I'm the kind of nutter to go get naked and jump in or like a cold. Like I don't. I like that kind of stuff. So for me, it was kind of uh, an attractive element. Yeah. Um, where I kind of wanted to see what I was made of in that sense, and it wasn't so so bad. But yeah, you ride your, ride your bike up in the middle of winter. You go sit in a zendo for an hour, you get hit with a stick, you go pick weeds. Yeah. And maybe you get a tea if, if he's in a good mood and you just go right back and go live your life. Like, yeah. You know, that was the game. Maybe you get a tea. <laughs> on the happy days or on the Saturdays, you'll definitely give us tea. Yeah. That's um, the one thing. Like, I really lo I love the tradition. Right. And I love studying with different teachers. Mm -hmm. But the par there's like a part of me that's like um, really resistant mm -hmm. or that feels judgment towards the whole mentality around you are my student you mm. will follow what i have to say if you are a good student then i will teach you further if you're not a good student then you don't get mm. taught anything mm -hmm. else mm -hmm. um and like some of the problems that arise mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. that um you have a very open approach to teaching i've studied with you in a group and one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one. like mm -hmm. how can you tell me a little bit about your experiences with those things? It came into, into, into kind of a little bit of this because I was learning from Japanese and Chinese teachers yet I'm some punk from the States. And I had an attitude and they crushed that in various ways which was amazing and difficult. 
But the most important thing that I, I found was I was working with somewhat of an archaic system, a very manly system, a very bravado, you do what I say system. And I'm like, well, why? Well, why? Well, why? And at first, they're like, how dare you question me? Are you, are you challenging this? And I'm like, no, no, I just want to know why. And after a while, especially with my Chinese teacher, he's like, oh, you just want to know why? Oh, great. And he opened up to me in a way wow. that he would not and still probably does not do with his Chinese students based on just the cultural context, the traditional, you know, uh, continuum. Totally. And so when I came in being a freak, because that's how they saw me, um, they were a little more lenient with how they were uh, with me. And, uh, and that was a game changer. And that's kind of how I see it all going. Uh, uh, unfortunately, you know, I mean, that generation, they're my father's age, they're my, you know, they're older. Um, that's, that's just how it goes. Totally. Right? We were we, I was talking to a friend recently, you know, in, in the sense of like, you know, if, you're, if your chin comes forward in meditation a little bit, forward you know you 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 get hit to this day mm -hmm. do you think some of those things are changing do you think that there's space for change in regards to yeah. some of those rules i think there's i think the uh, change is inevitable and the strict uh, adherence to these kinds of what i consider minimal aspects of tradition are dogmatic and useless and this is where tradition becomes limited or limiting. Yeah. I'm a traditionalist. I was raised traditional in everything I do. And I really find a truth in the fundamental mechanisms. That being said, if you get lost on the ponytail or, you know, the style, the way you hold your stick, and you read too much into that, obviously you're going to miss what this is. Yeah. You know, I, uh, for example, at my happy hours, I'm not a fan of the bells with my meditations. So I stopped using them. And I was you know, raised with the sticks, which are very, you know, uh, uh, Kind of, they wake you up. It's kind of scary. Totally. And so I stopped the bells, and I just clapped my hands one day, and this woman right in front of me just jumped out of her skin, and I was like, "Well, shit, this is not a good cell, and this is not the kind of people I'm working with." So now I just very gently say, "Okay, we're done now." Yeah. And there's no bells, and there's no sticks. Yes. So that's what you're seeing in terms of, you know, transition. But um, totally. I think it's really exciting because we're going to begin to see what a practice whatever that means in terms of mo a modality, really is beyond all the cultural totally. kind of um, uh, things that kind of catch yeah. and, and, and well, like I said before, limit what this is. Yeah, and I mean, I always, I mean, I feel like I'm aligned with you in the sense that I love the tradition, but I like to teach it in a way that trans, that people can understand. Right. And I loved your um, approach about like, you know, when I get your newsletter, I know that it's like a no bullshit. <laughs> There's no bullshit. Kind it's really... Patrick Swayze bit. That was totally. <laughs> it's just like you being Paul and mm. teaching what you, what you know, what you've been taught. And mm. I, I guess I would even say you're teaching parts of yourself that are like, that have, that um, feel personal to you. Um, and so I'm wondering what your practice is like these days mm -hmm. as maybe opposed to what it used to be and the reason why I'm asking you this is because you know I've met your beautiful children and I know you have a wonderful wife and I'm mm -hmm. sure you don't have two three hours a day mm -hmm. to do your practice mm -hmm. how yeah. has your practice changed 
drastically and it's always still changing. I mean, every couple of months I'm doing something different in that sense. Uh, the major shift these days is uh, I had to go back to practicing in the mornings again. I got to a point kind of egotistically uh, years ago where I was like, well, I'm just going to get up at a certain time and tune myself with the sun and I'm, that's fine. I don't need to do anything. I'm just, I'm, I'm here. When my second child was born, he uh, threw a wrench in that system and now I get up again like I used to back in the day. My wife as well. We get up around 5.30. We have like an hour, hour and a half by ourselves practicing before the kids get up. So and during that time, I'm doing uh, what we call in the practice Negong, internal practice. I'm doing standing postures, uh, breathing techniques, and those change depending on what I'm doing. Um, and that's a really important thing these days because of the challenge, personally, with me having uh, two boys who come downstairs with very different agendas and they want to rock it, I've got to be in a very strong position to be adaptable to that without them taking over. Totally. I don't want to play their game so much. So that's a really important thing because when I don't do that and I do sleep and I do get up at the same time they do, I'm playing their game. You're just going along. I have to, I have no choice. So I like to center myself uh, regardless. There's no talking, there's no phone, there's no, like even with my wife, it's like, hey, maybe. And we just do our thing. And after she's done, after I'm done, then we start having our chats. Totally. Then the kids come downstairs. Then I'm looking at, you know, emails and such. That's amazing. Um, but beyond that, that's, that's just like the basic, but beyond that, it's, it's being conscious at all times. And, um, and that is, I think, the very interesting component. The morning practice is like me brushing my teeth. I don't want to get cavities. That's going to keep me sustainable and somewhat adaptable to the flow of dynamic. Yeah. But the interesting bit is how I begin to use that, like in this, for example, you know, uh, right into work, for example, or whatever. That's the interesting bit. What would you say to someone, and I don't mean this in like a mean way, mm. or like I don't even want to should people, mm. but I do hear of people, like people that I've practiced with for years mm. that um, have kids, and they say, well, I, I don't practice anymore. Mm -hmm. What would you say? Is there like a suggestion or a tip that you would give to someone who wants to go back to their practice, but they're not quite sure how to do that? I mean, there's a lot of things I would say, and that's a very generalized question because everyone's different. And a lot of what you're looking at for most people is this idealized desire versus resistance. Yeah. Mad resistance. Yeah, totally. And so when that is understood as being the limitation, okay, we'll go that route. Yeah, totally. And that's a whole... That, I that's, love that you're saying that, that. That's its own angle. Totally. But to be honest, I think it's quite easy for us to not take the responsibility for sure and they're you know um, and you got to want it you know yeah. um, the only determining factor with any sort of practice is you're looking at your life and how frustrated are you and that's just that's it that's what determines if you're gonna get off your ass and do it or you're just gonna be like oh yeah this is me this is what I'm gonna be this is where I'm gonna stay and that's fine yeah and then there's some of us who just want more totally and so that's kind of the motivation I remember being actually in therapy and um, there was an exercise and I could not do it and I refused to do it. And even though like I was in therapy, so in, at that point in my life, I thought therapy was very separate from my meditation practice and yoga practice and all these kinds of things. Sure. Um, the, she allowed me, the therapist allowed me the place to explore that resistance, like mm -hmm. why or just to even feel the resistance. And I felt like so much more free after that, that actually 
that place of resistance was what I had to get really honest about. Right. Absolutely. That was my place of honesty. And after that, I felt very, um, I felt freed, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like I come from this background. It's like, uh, um, you should be good. You should do this. You should do this like sure. that. And I kind of fight that urge sure. all the Rebellious. time. Totally. This is also, I think, interesting because we can look at who it is we are and the different elements that make up us as a whole. And so I've got the, the 17-year-old version of me that wants to blast Slayer and headbang in his kitchen. I still got that in me sometimes. And that's a part of me. Yeah. I got the part of me that's very gentle. I got the part of me that wants to rebel. I got the part of me that wants to blah, blah, blah. And when we understand and begin to identify the different characters of who it is we are, and you know that, it's not a blind spot. Yeah. You now have the power to do, to to take um, information and be like, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I don't want to do that. Like five thirty, alarm goes off, and that voice in your head's like, no, nah, man, just stay in bed. You're like, your bum's getting tickled. You're starting to feel warm and cuddly. No, no, just stay in bed. You're good. Yeah. I practice a lot. Take a day off. What voice is that? Yeah. Some sometimes that's the real me or a real per- portion of me saying, hey, man, chill out. Yeah. Good. Most of the time, it's the the egotistical or the devilish part of me, so to speak, just looking to maintain status quo. Yeah. And when I do have the courage and the strength and the know-abouts to be like, yeah, yeah, you can get fucked. I'm going to go do this practice right now. That's when I usually break through into something new. The most resistant right before change. I love that. I love that so much. Man. I was um, in a meeting with someone not that long ago, and I, uh, I guess I was, I was feeling rebellious that day. And so I had said something to the effect of, you know, I wish more yoga teachers practiced. Mm-hmm. And um, the person's response to me was, well, you know, I don't think that you need, you need to have a practice in order to be a good yoga teacher. <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever heard. And I actually, I actually wasn't feeling like that. I think really she, that's what she thought. And that is what she meant. 100%. There was no like, really like this woman like knows about life. And that's what she thought. That was her opinion. And I really thought to myself, if I didn't practice every day or like almost every day, if I didn't have a practice, I would be totally lost. I would be totally lost. I wouldn't be able to do anything that I really love to do. Mm-hmm. And I guess um, maybe some people are lucky that they don't need a practice. Do you think that that's true? Do you think that some people don't need to practice? Uh, the, 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 the word practice and what that looks like for different people is just that, very different. Yeah. If there is intent, if there is collaboration, if there is the ability to adapt, you know, quite quickly to change and be quite functional, and that is understood as part of a way you receive information, that could be simple as that. Yeah. You can get up, you can have your tea, you can walk the dog, you can go live your life, and that by itself is a practice. If that is not understood and there is no practice and you're just flying off the cuff because you have this degree or you study with so-and-so, yeah. and now you can be a lazy ass and just kind of rock your shit. Bullshit. That's a massive, gross justification. Can you tell me a little bit about what is up? You know, like, you, you talked a little bit about your practice, and you said tuning. 
you, the word you used was tuning right. to the sun, <laughs> right, right, right. right? And then um, sometimes, you know, I'm sure the tuning, quotation mark, happens in something else. And I remember once you gave me this meditation practice, I had to meditate, it was either on my liver or my kidney or like one of those things. Mm -hmm. What is that about? Can you, can you explain it to me? Or can you explain it to someone that has no idea what it's like to meditate on different aspects or take in from different aspects or different elements? Mm. It's a two-part question. The, the, the tuning concept is an inevitable reality of what we are as uh, uh, being alive. You can define that in terms of life, consciousness, love, resonance, whatever. The inability to tune or the resistance towards that natural tendency is our agendas, our preferences, our fears. When we get those out of the way, the naturalness is we just create homeostasis in the body, because that's what the body's trying to do, and we tune very specifically, without trying at all, to letting go extent, not a, not a try-hard technique, with what is particular into this moment. So there's that. The internal elements of organs, for example, typically house a great deal of, of history, emotion, unprocessed, un unable to be processed information that we kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And we live our lives and we close it off and we lock it away and we just keep on living our lives. But in there, it exists and it lives. And so, in a way, you can think of it as kind of weight on your back or the shit you bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And so, the idea of moving through certain organs is to begin to discover yourself much more intimately, having the courage to experience those things again with a brain of today, mm -hmm. not a brain of 10 totally. years old, and begin to experience consciousness from that position looking out. Totally. Versus from your mind, when I say mind, your, your intent or your focus or your concerns, looking down, trying to heal it, trying to blast it, yeah. trying to cleanse it, all that arrogant, uh, uh, impatient, uh, fear-based technique. Right. Why do you think it's so hard for people, like some people, to believe that all of this information, all of our history is stored in our body? You know, I find that um, there's some resistance to that. Do you think that's true, or have you ever had that Experience? Most people think I'm off my fucking head. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I see the, 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 the norm of, of concern and the, 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 the position that we hold as being kind of looking in the wrong direction. Totally. And then someone like me comes around and is like, oh, just put your mind in your kidney. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. Well, exactly, because your head's fucked off on something else. Totally. And there's going to be mad resistance towards that. And you gotta, yeah, you look at yourself and you got you to gotta own it. Yeah. And we are great, myself included, at, you know, hiding that from the self, faking my way through everything, yeah. blinding myself to truth and getting by and getting a high five and getting a paycheck and getting, you know, a lot of likes on Instagram. Yeah. But that's not real. That's just shit. To look at truth, we start to having to take away logic, take away our typical intellectual approach and have the courage to explore and learn versus be arrogant and I think we know shit about ourselves. Totally. The, the idea of our mind and what you think of as mind and what the tissue says, two very different stories. I think I'm a laid back dude. Not at all. You get in there and control freak, you know, fear based, all that shit just sits in there, right? So I always wanted to study. Like my life goal like, mm -hmm. is like, 
just to keep on studying. And, and I find studying really valuable and being around smart people really valuable, right? So there's like a part of me that like adds to my ego through that, right? And I went to school because I was really hoping that I would learn more and be around smart people and, and get a lot out of that. And what I realized is that sometimes I would be sitting in a room with therapists, you know, and some of those people have multiple degrees and have been doing this work a lot of the time like most of their lives or whatever and all they were all saying the same thing which was like the felt experience never mind what your head says mm. what does your body say mm. listen to the body feeling what mm -hmm. is your body saying mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just to like honor and trust mm -hmm. what the body needs mm -hmm. is such a scary thing mm -hmm such a scary thing. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I was meditating with you on, on organs and through studying and not studying acupuncture, but doing like, for example, a lot more acupuncture in my life, I know that the second that my lungs start to hurt and um, that there is a part of me that wants to stop, start smoking cigarettes again, right and that it's because I'm feeling a lot of grief right. and that there's grief in my lungs that I'm not really feeling or whatever. And like the different organs like actually send different messages to me Absolutely. and that I'm just sometimes not listening. Absolutely. So I'm really grateful that you taught me that lesson because I thought you were crazy at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a game changer. Yeah. Very much. But intimacy with the self is the basic and uh, a lot of us, uh, avoid that at all costs and the uh, results if you look around are very obvious yeah the results are totally yeah, obvious absolutely. Absolutely. can you tell me what are you working on these days is there anything that you're really excited about i'm seeing a lot of um really sweet videos online and yeah that's all like yeah that's just me just making shit up that's fine like ser on on a, on a real uh, note i've been working on a lot of of of, of talking to myself uh, uh, better, a lot more nurturing, and a lot more uh, love as a go-to versus a technique to feel better. Just, you know, I'm sitting on the bus today, I'm coming here and see you guys, and, and I'm looking out and I'm just going, this is fucking gorgeous, this is amazing. And that as a habit, um, and explain what that does uh, for me and, and what that shows me as more of myself. I'm really beginning to discover myself for the first time, and I'm almost 40 years old, and you know the the excitement and the the you know the touchy feeliness and the just full of energy. That's always who I've been, and I've just always suppressed it and denied it to fit in and be cool, right? Mm -hmm. And so now it's just really massively coming out, and I'm just like, well, here's my shit, and it feels amazing and it's blowing my mind. And it's improving every single aspect of my day wow. and my relationships. That's what is just, it's just, just fucking love just flying out. That's Aww. what it is right now. Oh my gosh. Uh, that's what I'm doing. Well. That is so yeah. beautiful. <laughs> I love the love part because, you know, right. it's really, um, you know, you're, y you've got, you've got yeah. some of the tough guy stuff and it's mm -hmm. really sweet to see the. A lot more gentle. I oh. think, uh, I, having the courage to be a lot more gentle, especially with myself, 
and then with others, it's everything is different now. Yeah. It's quite nice. Why do you think it's so hard for men to be gentle? Or even, you know what? I don't even want to pick on men. Why mm. do you think it's like... Because it makes us vulnerable. Yeah. Like even talking right now about love, there's going to be guys or even you know, people watching this going, ah, oh, yeah, fucking whatever. And, you know, maybe some of my friends from high school will be like, ah, ha, ha, look at Paul. He's getting cheesy or whatever. Right? Yeah. And that's, you can see where my fears are, right? Yeah. Um, but it makes us vulnerable. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the whole uh, manly approach and now, you know, kind of generalized in all of society is the, I don't need anybody. I'm independent. I'm strong. Hard as. Yeah. It's all fear-based. It's all very obvious. Right, um, but you know, the courage to be exposed is the, or you know, downside per se, of of love, totally. of, of of putting your stuff on the table. For right? sure. So, so yeah, that's kind of it. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that was awesome. your story. You are a really. Um, special person to me. You're talking a lot. <laughs> Thank you for making your way. I'm being, <laughs> I'm being cheesy too. Thank you so much. Um, and um, I just wanted to kind of finish by saying that uh, Paul runs these uh, really wonderful classes at the Parkdale Prana Room in Toronto, which is at 1273A Queen Street West, across from the taco place Grand Electric. That's the, that's the monument, right? I know, you have to tell Everybody that part. Everybody knows that place, right? And can you tell me some of the class times because I can't remember all of them on the top of my head. I have four classes through the week, group classes. Uh, should I be? Yeah, uh, sure. Tuesdays at 6, the Qigong and the Tai Chi. Uh, 7.30 on Tuesdays is the happy hour class. That's a guided meditation with... Um, that's like five bucks, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's dope. Uh, and then the last half hour is a Reiki treatment where I walk around and give everyone a little bit of Reiki. Uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. And then Thursday, I have a nooner, uh, Qigong and Taiji, and then Saturday, I have an 11 a.m., uh, same, same. And then everything else are just private, so that's kind of how it goes. Can you please, for someone that might not know, and I've mm. just l recently learned, what is the difference between Tai Chi and Qigong? Uh, basically speaking, one is a martial art, one is not. Okay. Basically speaking, but Qigong can also be a martial art, depending on how you mess with it. Cool. Is um, one harder than the other? Qigong is a massive word, um, and it's, it's, it, it compromises lots of things in terms of uh, a practice. I would say, in a basic sense, or what I think of as you know, modern day, Taiji is going to be a lot more complicated. Because to understand Taiji, you must understand Qigong. Yeah. But if you, if you just want to practice Qigong, you don't got to practice Taiji, okay. for example. Cool. If that makes sense. Thank you so much for explaining that. And thank you so much for watching. Check us out at BigTreeMind.com. This is a podcast about the way that we practice. So my practice is yoga and meditation. Paul's practice is different than mine, but we believe um, in the same thing.